coming up next on the Wet Fly Swing podcast. Andy was a, a young man with a learning disability that had struggled through high school. He always said he was inspired by a phrase by Benjamin Franklin. It was, there is an, a better way, find it. He always said, you know, that is, as a young man, that's really what is stuck with me. That was Lily Renzetti with a powerful story about perseverance. The Thompson A. Lefty's influence and 50 years of fly tying excellence today on The Swing. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. Hey, how you doing today? Thanks for stopping by the show. If you get a chance, please give us a follow on Instagram at Wet Fly Swing right now. That's a great way to support this podcast and go a little bit deeper and stay in touch with what we have going. Today's episode is sponsored by Eastern Idaho's Yellowstone Teton Territory, Idaho's most renowned zone for fly fishing. From the Henry's Fork to the South Fork of the Snake and all the high alpine lakes and streams in between, Yellowstone Teton Territory provides anglers and other outdoor enthusiasts with all the information they need to plan their next big trip. You can visit wetflyswing.com slash Teton right now to get the full list of outfitters, lodges, fly shops, and all kinds of inspiration to get you started on your next trip to Eastern Idaho. That's Teton, T-E-T-O-N, wetflyswing.com slash Teton. Togan's Fly Shop, who provides superior quality products at an affordable price. An amazing resource for fly tying materials, tools, and fishing accessories. Since 2005, Togan's has been over-delivering on price, service, and passion. And now, you can check out that Togan's buzz for yourself. Right now, you can head over to wetflyswing.com slash Togans to get started. That's T-O-G-E-N-S. You support this podcast by clicking through that link to Togans online. Lily Renzetti is here to share the full Renzetti uh, fly tying vice story and how they've been leading the way over the last 50 years. We discover how it all started with an idea to make fly tying easier. And uh, we also dig into some of their current ambassadors and some of the big people that are uh, using Renzetti's around the country, and we find out why the Traveler has been such a game changer over the years and is still a go-to vice. Plus, we find out what's next on tap for Renzetti. Here we go. Lily Renzetti from Renzetti.com. So I want to thank you, first of all, for asking me to um, tell the story about Renzetti and talk about the different products that we make. Renzetti started out of a hobby. It was a Something that Andy, who is my husband and his younger brother, used to do uh, back in the late 60s. And um, Andy's background is a machinist. And they used to, at that time, we were living in Pennsylvania. And they used to fish a lot in the little pine or big pine in the northeast. And they were, back then, the product that was available um, was great. It was what? you know, the only thing in the market, but they wanted something more to allow them to be more productive in their time. And that's where the presentation 3000, that was the very first vice introduced by Renzetti, came about. It was uh, completely different in design than anything available. Um, So it was a change. and, And honestly, it was something that he was making for friends and then uh, one of his friends was a 
a shop owner of fly fishing. Uh, he had a fly fishing shop. And that's where they used to gather the fly tires. Keep in mind, back in the late 60s, early 70s, we didn't have internet, social media. So it was a different, a different way to, the industry was different. And little by little, he uh, contacted Orvis. And uh, Orvis was our very first big retailer that uh, introduced the Presentation 3000. And Andy actually used to drive to Vermont, sleep on the sofa of uh, John Hatter, who happens to be the fly fishing buyer for Renzetti, deliver devices and come back the next day. So this is just how <laughs> everything started. He was working full time as a machinist for a local shop in Romansville, Pennsylvania. And um, he was renting time from his boss to make devices. And then <laughs> uh, I think it was in the late 70s, he decided to uh, build a three-car garage at home. And uh, that's where he started full-time operation. He introduced device in 1972, but it wasn't until 77, 78 that... Um, he decided, you know, I'm going to give it a try and, you know, take it to the next level. So uh, that's where the story began on the three-car garage, honestly. And then about six years later, uh, he bought another piece of property close to the house and built a, a shop that was our home for the next 10 years. And then in 96, we moved to Florida. But in that journey, you know, from the presentation 3000 in the 70s, it wasn't until 1988 that he introduced the Traveler series, uh, the Traveler and the presentation. Um, the presentation 3000, the design is unique. The Joe design, the section that holds the hook, is very tapered. So it was ideal for small flies. So salt water started happening, and so the, the need for something bigger, to hold bigger hooks in our product line was there, and that's where the Traveler came about and the Presentation 4000 came about because he gave the angler a bigger hook range. He went from a number 28 to a 4 odd. So keep in oh, mind wow. that when, when we give the hook range for a particular series is based on the true rotary feature. So the Traveler and the Presentation 4000 was in 1988. And then in 1993, 1994, that's where the Master was introduced. That vice goes from one extreme to the other. It goes from a number 28 to a 10 odd. And uh, Bobby Papavix, uh, who is a, I don't know if you recognize the name, but he's a, a tremendous, yeah. yeah. So oh, yeah. it was a push from Bobby to uh, introduce something that um, will accommodate bigger hooks. So he was instrumental. Along with Lefty, because everything that Andy designed after the presentation 3000, he developed this relationship with Lefty that... Um, Lefty pretty much gave the approval before he went to the market, honestly. So it was a beautiful relationship. So Bob Popovic, um, he was really the inspiring reason for the uh, master. 
And the way Andy designed product is he he sees how the tire, how does that person time, what are his needs, mm-hmm. and based on, on that, that's how he come up with with new product. Um, so you have the traveler that had a different job housing at that time, and then based on feedback from consumers we redesigned the jaws of device in, I think it was 96, 97, where it has a lever instead of a screw to tighten the hook. So it was a lot user-friendly. And that's what we make today. All of our devices has that lever mechanism. When we introduce them, of course, we have a patent for those design. But, you know, those, those patents have um, expired for the jaws. What we were able to to do is because when devices were introduced, the design was very, is still very unique. Um, So we were able to apply in the late 90s, um, mid 90s, I think, uh, for what is called a trade dress, which is the design that clean, smooth, bent, that's the design of Renzetti, and that's still a, a current trademark that Renzetti has. So, but um, you know, when when you look at the journey of Renzetti, I think a lot about it lately because it has been um, fifty plus years. Fifty years is what we celebrate wow. because that's the very first time that he introduced the presentation three thousand. But um, you know, a lot of the industry overall is is something that you know because you're in the industry. It changes you. It's yeah. really a relationship industry, and as you go in this journey, the people that you met they are they are customers of ours that have been with Andy. Very few since the early days, but it's it's a beautiful relationship. It's more than a business relationship. Let me put it that way. It turned into friendship. Um, and I don't know if any other industry give you that. You know, I think back, I have friends from other industry and they look at me like, really? You're friends with your customers? I say, <laughs> my gosh, yeah, they're a huge part of our life. And I think that is unique. These industries, you really fall in love with it. Um, Coming from the outside, just uh, it changes you, honestly. So it's a great journey, let me put it that way. <laughs> yeah, I love it. No, I think that's a great summary of, you know, just that history of Renzetti. And I, I agree with you. I think that uh, like that's why everybody loves it, who is doing this fly fishing, not only if you're just, you know, a fly angler, but like me, you know, and you and folks that are in the industry it's part of the thing we all love about, you know, fly tying and fly fishing. It's, you know, the people, everybody involved, you know, and, and we do the same thing. People listening here are, you know, friends of mine as well, you know, and, uh, and it's, it's a good industry to be in. So, and you mentioned a couple of things. So, you know, the design I think is unique, right? With Renzetti, you've been out there a long time. Did you say it was the 50th anniversary this year? Uh, last year was the 50. He introduced device September of 72. And, and let me tell you how we come up with that. Well, he introduced device in Jackson Hole, uh, Wyoming, at a, I think it was a federation of fly fishing conclave. That was the very first time that he introduced device. And um, so we always go by that day. When he started his business, Renzetti was called, because he was a, a machinist and because he did costume machining for other industry, 
the business used to be called Ranzetti Costume Machining. When he changed job, let me put it that way, resigned from his current job into the other one. So it wasn't until 86 when he built the facility close to the house that he changed his name. So we always go by the day that he introduced that vice in the public eye. So it was the 50-year anniversary. So, yeah, we are celebrating the 50-year now. Uh, we started last year. We made the introduction of the 50-year anniversary vice in April because that's when the project was completed. We did have quite a bit of delays on that project, but um, I just felt that there's something to celebrate about that. And the product that we introduced in April is a true representation of, of what Renzetti have given the industry, um, you know, have given the angler is, is, uh, is pretty much summarize our journey when it comes to product line. So it's very unique and a beautiful presentation that um, we, we did have a lot of delay because of COVID and, you know, changes of how our life got disrupted. So. Right. That's right. Yeah, no, it's awesome. So you have, yeah, I mean, this vice and just going back to that. So you have 50 years. I mean, when you, and remind me again, when did you get involved in Renzetti in that journey? When did you meet Andy? I got involved in 87. So right after he built the machine shop at the home. That's correct. I think, yeah, that was in a, a year later. Yeah. And I, believe me, I didn't know what fly fishing was. I didn't know what fish, I mean, I never fish. I yeah. Completely different <laughs> background. <laughs> right. So you were there like basically 15 years after. The introduction of the vice. Yeah, introduction. And what did Andy, what was he fishing for? Was he a big fly fisherman um, before then? He was, um, and it was mostly trout because he was, you know, in Pennsylvania. That's where he started. And then I think it was late 80s when he started experimenting with saltwater fly fishing. Okay. And when you started in, in the 72, and I remember that because, well, I don't remember it, but my dad started his fly shop back at about that time out of our home, you know, before I was born, but back in that time. So yeah, I re- kind of remember that as I was a little kid thinking about that, but things have changed a lot, right? Does Andy, I wonder, you know, when you look back then, what vices were there then versus now? Because it seems like obviously there's more more vices out there. He was using uh, the Thompson 8 at that time. That's what he was using. And, you know, that was the most popular vice back then that was available. Wow. So that's it. So Thompson A was the vice. There wasn't a, like Regal, was Regal around back then? I am not sure the be- about the beginning of it, of another manufacturer. Um, That's right. We can check on that. We'll put that in the show notes. Uh, I'm just curious because I it feels like um, you've created this vice or Andy, you know, you all created this vice, which was so unique back, you know, in the 70s. I mean, it's still unique now. I, mean, I think probably my guess is people have copied the design or tried to over time because it's it's such unique right it's true rotary is that what separates the vice like if you go back to the first vice or the vice today what is the unique uh kind of thing that renzetti has you know the true rotary concept was introduced by renzetti the thompson a was a rotary vice but it wasn't true rotary which is where the shank of the hook is uh, even with the shaft of the vice and, and rotating it on axis. That's what the true rotary concept is, honestly. But I am not sure. Let me ask Andy. Andy, 
What other vices were available back in this set when you were tying? Thompson A, HMH was in the market. That's it. Yeah, he think that the HMH might have come up a little bit, but he, later it wasn't. Yeah, but at that time there wasn't too many out there. And also remember, if there were, they were not known as the Thompson A was. And I think that that's, I know that that's where he started through the years. I have heard him saying that was he and he was tying at the, using at the time. That's right. Okay, yeah, and, I, and that's it. Yeah, the Thompson A was the vice that was pretty much everywhere. It seems like it was maybe, yeah, but it wasn't a true rotary. So the, the Renzetti has always been, have all your products, has that always been the thing that it is a true rotary vice? Always, since the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Now, where did your father have this shop? Uh, it was out in uh, in Oregon. It was a small shop out in Oregon. And uh, yeah, and it, I remember, you know, as a little kid growing up around the shop, and I remember the, the Thompson, and I just can't remember the other vices as you got into the 80s, but there were probably some others, I'm sure, Regal, or maybe there's a couple of the other bigger ones that came in. But the point is, is that, yeah, you were there at the beginning, created this product, and, and you said you have a patent on, I think it was in the 2000s, another pattern, and that was on the actual shape of the, or can you describe the current um, pattern you have? There was a patent for the jaw, for the cam jaw, um, and the trade dress is for the design, and that's something that, you know, it's like the Coca-Cola bottle, you recognize it everywhere. It's just the design. That's a trade dress, and that does not have an, ex- you, you have to renew that every so many years. Um, the patent that we had uh, was the CAM, and then uh, there was another product line that we made besides devices that is rock building. And so in the rock building, there is a couple of patents that we also had, um, you know, but they have expired since then. But, um, but the, you know, we, we manufacture fly fishing, the fly time vices, the hand tools and the accessory, but we also design and manufacture uh, rock building equipment. And he had been doing that since the, I'm going to say the 80s, early 80s. So, I mean, that product line have changed through the years as well, you know, based on technology and also demand, you know, requests. But um, but that's how our product line have grown. Fly fishing or rock building is based on customer feedback also based on technology, the way that we, you know, keep in mind back then, he used to make everything manually. I mean, everything was manual. Um, with technology, you know, and equipment, things are, are a little bit more automatic, but uh, still, depending on the series of vices, um, some of them are still, up to today with technology, very labor-intense. The master, for example, or the presentation 4,000 or the 3,000, after they are machined, they require a, labor, a lot of, uh, they are touch. Each part is touched in many different stages and to create the finish, to create the looks and the, you know, just the quality of it. Um, a machine is not going to do it. So some of our vices are, the higher end, they're very labor intense still. And some of our accessories, I mean, it's funny when you look at the the equipment that Andy used to use back then, that we still have it today. Every fixture needed to do a process on that vice 
was designed by Andy. And we are updating them because, you know, there are newer processes and newer technique. But it's amazing how the necessity, you know, he couldn't afford it, so he have to do it. And and it's, so it's, right. it's beautiful, honestly. It's, it's, uh, and when you look at the fixtures back then, it's like, oh, my gosh, how did you come up with that? <laughs> <laughs> it's truly uh, awesome. You're right, that is. Yeah, it's the uh I can't remember the saying, but that's sometimes the best products come out of that when you're forced not not only, you know, he kinda had the love and the passion for it, but uh yeah, you're forced to be creative when you don't have the resources, maybe, right? Yes, and that, and that's what honestly that's what it was. I mean, fly fishing is a bigger industry today, but when you look at, at that time, you know, it was not by any means. So there's a lot of a lot of sacrifice. You were in the fly fishing industry, so you know. I mean, your parents had that fly shop, so you know a lot what I'm referring yeah. to. Is is it was a whole different environment, and and uh, and I, and the the love and passion for it is just what is admirable. I think. Do you see when you look back to say the when Andy started or the eighties when you kind of came into it and now versus today, what are the biggest differences you see in the fly tying kind of market, vice market? Does it feel a lot different now than it used to? Well, from a business perspective, with the relationship with our retailers, I don't think it has changed. I think that we still have that passionate angler that is obsessed. There are different breeds, let me put it that way. So I don't think that has <laughs> changed. Um, and I think that that's the part that I love the most because I deal with our retailers on a regular daily basis. I think that the industry from the consumer part of it have changed. And changes are good because it allows you to be more creative and come up with different... But Part of us that have been in it for a long time reminisced about, wow, this was so different. And there, there is a beauty in every part of the journey, honestly. But they are, they are part of the current fly fishing environment that I wish that wouldn't change. And that is the, um, uh, and I'm sure I'm going to get hell for this, but... <laughs> Yeah, but that is the <laughs> immediate gratification or notoriety of people that have not been in the industry long enough to know the true meaning or the true value of fly fishing that are expecting so much when they haven't even put the effort into. Right, and you mean you mean more from the like the um, angler customer perspective or more from the company who's producing the products? Oh, no, I think that more of a, from a consumer perspective. Yeah, like people don't quite understand. They might see all the products out there and not have enough experience to understand like the the effort that went into what they're using. The, is that what you kind of mean? No, I mean from the uh, consumer that is providing information to others that are not necessarily original or don't know where that fly came from or having done the research to where that fly came from and put their name associated with it when there was somebody 
100 years ago, 30, 40, 50 years ago, that developed that fly. And that to me is, uh, you know, that's where that instant gratification comes from. And I wish that, the, you know, we are old-fashioned in a way. We are old-fashioned, and there is no way to put it about, uh, change that. But, but I think that a fly, regardless of where we are today, was designed by somebody else a long time. And because of the changes in the industry material, the restriction on natural uh, fibers and all of that have forced us to change it because of the limitations and also for because of the species that we're fishing for today that perhaps years ago, nobody, I'm talking about 50, 60 years ago, nobody ventured into, but it's still that fly was originated by someone before us. Yeah. So, you know, to change the color and color the Lily Renzetti fly will be pretty. Um, yeah, that's right. And I know I'm going to, I know I'm going to get help for this. <laughs> no, no, I think you're right. I think, I think part of it is that, um, you know, like you say, some people might be new and they don't even know, you know, they create something and they're like, oh, wow, this is a unique first time ever. But I mean, everybody, and I've had lots of guests that say the same thing on the show where they say, hey, nothing, nothing's new, really. It's all been done, right? And, but the vices is interesting, you know, because with the fly tying vices, you know, you do have this vice that back in the 70s was pretty unique or, or was very unique. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like now, you know, if you go look at the top 10 vices or go Google it online, you'll see a lot of vices by different companies that look very similar to Renzetti, you know, that design, how it's bent, right? And it's rotary and it's bent. So that's what I think you're, or part of that, right? Is like some of these companies, the patent's gone so they can basically have a vice that looks like yours. Talk about that a little bit. Do you see, do you look at these other vices out there and think, wow, that's looks a lot like ours or what's your take there? As I mentioned, the Renzetti trade dress is the design. And if you look at a lot of companies out there, today's world, the only ones that you see out there that are trying to penetrate the market, they are made overseas. And it is because the major fly fishing, fly tires uh, manufacturers in the United States, I think that they pretty much respect each other. Uh, yeah, they want to be competitive, yet they have some similarities. Yes, they have changed their jaw design to be more like the design that we introduced you know, there is not a patent there anymore. So yes, they can do it. But when it comes to the design, the, the few of them that are similar um, is because Renzetti have always enforced their, we protect our trademark. So the only two or three that are that you see in Amazon today, perhaps, those are from overseas and they're difficult to track. And But it's still, it's a constant battle and the beauty of it is that when an outside, uh, an overseas customer has a design similar to ours and they contact a distributor or a retailer in the United States, I can assure you that retailer or that distributor is going to send me an email and say, hey, is this infringing? So there is a lot of respect for each other, you know, protecting each other's right. So... I believe that that's a Renzetti design. We invested a lot of time and uh, creativity in our product line. And yes, we will, you know, like anybody else, you, you're going to protect your right if you have, for a patent, they're expired. I cannot do anything about it. 
But for a trade dress, I, yes, we do protect our trade dress. Quick break for a word from our sponsor. With more than 40 years of experience in coffee, the Angler's Coffee Team roasts a full range of coffee with one goal in mind, delivering excellent coffee to every single angler. Responsibly sourced from farms using sustainable growing practices, you can rest easy knowing you are doing your part. Roasted and shipped within 48 hours to assure freshness. For me, it's all about that freshness and taste when I crack open a bag of Anglers in the morning. I feel good because I know not only does it taste great, but I am supporting great movements along the way. With a blend for every taste, a dry dropper on the go tea bag option, and a roast sampler, you know Joe at Anglers is serving your needs. It's time to step up to better coffee and more impact for the fish species and causes we love. You can head over to wetflyswing.com anglers right now to grab a bag of greatness today. That's anglers, A-N-G-L-E-R-S, to make a change today. Do you also have, I mean, we, you hear a lot about ambassadors, right, people? I know people are obviously, lots of people using your vices. Do you have ambassador-type people out there, kind of big names in the fly tying space or, that are using your vices? Or how do you get, you know, from a perspective of getting, finding new customers, how do you look at that? Or is it just through all the fly shops you've been around 50 years so you don't have to do a lot of the effort on the marketing stuff? I wouldn't say that. I think we are grateful for our retailers. Without them, honestly, we wouldn't be here. That's the truth, and, and that's what I value and protect them so much. But we do, we have grown Renzetti organically through the years. I mean, we we don't advertise. We, since day one, and the have never, he didn't have the means before. And today, I just think that we concentrate on providing a good quality vice. And I use ambassadors. Um, our group is very small and for a reason. The way that we look at it is we want to have people that have something truly to offer to the angler. We want people that are truly invested in the industry. Um, so we have maybe 20 ambassadors, maybe 25, and they are a great group of anglers that are, I call them, you guys are obsessed. They are honestly, uh, it's beautiful to see that passion, that intensity on them because they are truly invested in the fly tying industry. Um, Bob Papavix, of course, Bob Clauser is another ambassador, Nick Gurzion, some legendary, iconic members. But there is also a lot of new ones that are creating a name for themselves, not just for being a, a phenomenal uh, fly tires, but also a great ambassador of the sport. So, so those, we look at those qualities. We look at what do you have to offer to the fly tying industry, you know, as a creative uh, fly tire, but also who are you as an individual? What do you, we look at the character as well as how good you yeah. are. And so we do get a lot of requests to be ambassador. And it's a long process because I let other ambassadors make that decision. I try not to make that decision internally. I pretty much run it by some of the ambassadors. And, and there is a group that I, between the ambassadors, that I request information from. Um, so it's a small group. It's a great group. They are come from all different backgrounds, but they, they are 
passionate about flight time. They're very creative. And so our group is small, but I think that they are very powerful as well. And, and I also think that they are here for the long run. They're no, it's not a trend for them. So to me, that, that has a lot of value to it. Yeah, love that. Love that. And I see on your website, I think people can take a look. You have your ambassadors, their legacy ambassadors and people, some we've had on the podcast, like Kelly Gallup, and then you've got other ambassadors, some people that I know of as well, Justin Probanik, who we fished with Justin uh, last year up in uh, up in Ohio, and uh, Dan Probanik, his uh, yes. uncle, we just had on the podcast. So yeah, I think you have a good mix. And then I guess one question would be there. I am always interested in this mainly from my own perspective, you know, and you hear about the 50-50 movement and stuff. Like I'm always thinking like, hey, how do we, you know, get more women on the podcast, right? Because I feel like we are more male dominated. Do you look at that at your ambassadors when you're choosing? Is that a hard thing to find more diversity with women ambassadors and people you're connected with? Or is it just that there's just more men in flight tying and, and that's kind of how it is? I always call myself feminist in a different way, and I will hate to target a female just because she's a female angler, just because she's a female. Right. So there are a few. I do have Kate Waxon from, uh, yep, yeah, from uh, BC that is phenomenal. Oh, yeah. And there are two other anglers, female anglers that I'm contemplated, but I want to see their journey. You know, I'm, I'm just waiting a little bit because I hate to to use a woman or a man just because this is what I need right now for my business. No, I am not going to go that route. Right. No, I wouldn't like it. I, as a woman, I will find it extremely offensive. So I, I don't go there. Yeah. I like that. I think and what you're saying, I agree. I mean, I, I kind of, I think about it. I have two uh, young, you know, kids. I've talked a lot about my girls and they're, um, and, you know, I think about them a lot when I do this, you know, that's part of my journey. But um, also I agree, you know, you want to find the best people. It doesn't matter if they're women, you know, or males or white or black or whatever, right? It's just like, you want to find the best people. Absolutely correct. I don't care what color you are, what sex you are. To me, that's immaterial. I believe me, I'm, I'm a foreigner. I was born and raised in Venezuela. I came to college through the United States and I, w- I will never let anybody undermine me or I will never put, so, uh, you know, I just disagree with that a hundred percent. Yeah. That's great. No, I love that. I can hear, you know, it's good that you have, right. You have this pattern. It's, it's amazing because you know, we could obviously hear your accent, you know, and uh, from Venezuela, that's really interesting for me. Maybe we could take it back there just a little bit on, on your journey. So how, so you, you came to the U.S. through college. How did that work? I finished high school in Venezuela and then I went to, I wanted to go overseas to go to school, to college, to get my secondary education someplace else. Um, so it was either U.S., U.K. or Poland, believe it or not, at that time. Those were the three countries I wanted to go to. My dad wouldn't let me go to UK or Poland because it was too far and I didn't know anybody there. Uh, We didn't have any family, nobody in those countries. So my mother had a relative in Delaware. So he, uh, when I was looking for colleges, um, I needed to be close to Delaware. (laughs) That was my only choice. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Delaware. And what was the college? What college did you go to? We went to, actually, I went to St. Joseph University in Philadelphia. Oh, wow. 
Amazing. Philadelphia. I'm off. Uh, I've been on a, a documentary binge and I've just finished uh, watching a Ben Franklin documentary. You know what I mean? And it was Ken Burns. Yes. It's really good. And it, I mean, I didn't know the history. Obviously, Ben Franklin was a founding father, but Philadelphia in Pennsylvania was a huge, huge part. You know, that's where he was from. That's where the Constitution yes. was, you know, ratified. And, um, you know, I always think about that because I had this history of, you know, you think about now the times of the U.S., right? There's struggles. We always have struggles. But yes. um, I go back to that. I mean, you you live, you know, you've lived around a place that was a very influential part of the U.S. Do you feel that as from you coming out from the Venezuela? I mean, I'm sure you're obviously a U.S. citizen and all that stuff. Yes. But do you look back at that ever and think like, wow, how do you feel about living in the U.S. versus I'm not even sure what's going on in Venezuela? Oh, my gosh. I um, It's truly a privilege. I mean, um, and I, it makes you appreciate, even with all the issues that we're having as a country, it still makes you appreciate this country more coming from the background. And keep in mind, when I came to college, when I left Venezuela, I was 19. Mm. And Venezuela was still a very vibrant, rich, democratic country oh, back wow. then. So I didn't personally, I have seen the changes and the struggle because half of my family is still there. Oh, right. Uh, but when you look at what how Venezuela has changed so tragically to where it is today, almost a communist country, to where we are as a country in the United States, you know, it, it just made you, people don't realize how good we have it. You know, they, they really don't. And regardless of their political views or ideas, if we don't make changes, we're going to end up in Venezuela. <laughs> right. I don't think that drastically, but... No. I mean... I hear you. You see the similarity. I don't want to be with this political, but... Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I don't. So, but, um, you know, when I came here to... I learned English. I'm still learning every day. Um, and then I went to... I studied English for like maybe six months. It was just a school just for English for foreigners also in, in Philadelphia, outside Philadelphia. And then I went to St. Joseph University, you know, and graduated in 86, 85, like I'm sorry, in 85. Yeah. And then, um, you know, I wanted to go back. At the beginning, I wanted to go back because my dad was in the, uh, had a business in the oil industry and I wanted to work with him. Mm. But as I went through my college career and Venezuela started deteriorating, I just felt that, you know, let me see if I can um, work for a few years, get more experience, and maybe things will change. Uh, but it didn't. And then I met Andy, and we fell in love, and the rest is history. Amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. I love it. And what was your, uh, in college, what was your major? I took a, a major in business and a minor in uh, industrial relations. I wanted, honestly, I wanted to be an attorney. That's what I wanted oh, yeah. to be in in law, a labor attorney. That's what I wanted to do. So I took a, some industrial, uh, I did a minor in industrial relations. My goal was to go back and continue and work on the uh, labor aspect of it because there was a lot of um, injustices, let me put it that way, and uh, in Venezuela. So that's one area that I wanted to go into. But I um, I work in, uh, in purchasing for until I start working with Andy in 90, officially working with Andy in 94. 
after we had our son. But I got involved with the business. I would do the shows with him and uh, work in the sales aspect. At that time, he didn't have anybody in sales in 87. Um, he didn't have anybody doing marketing or anything like that. So I did a lot of that. Behind, you know, after our behind it, we will do these shows together and stuff like that. And then when we had Andrew, I resigned from my job and then I started working with him. It changed my life. And do you still do uh, some of the shows out there? I do. I, I do the shows. I run the company. So. <laughs> oh wow! So you still so you still doing the shows? You must really love the shows out there, then. I absolutely love what we do. Yeah. From being in the with the consumer, with our retailers, from the daily operation, I I absolutely we have a great team uh, here, so they um, they make it happen. Honestly, I don't know how, but we have been able to instill quality on our staff, and everything they do is like it was when Andy was doing it in the sense that they are so particular that the quality is everything in this place. And sometimes I wonder how have we been able to instill that on our staff where they are now, because they're the ones that are making it happen every single yeah. day. Um, so, but it's when I see the finished product, when we're coming up with an idea that, that they bring it over for the aesthetic aspect of it, hey, what do you think about this? Or... Do you like, you know, it, it blows my mind that we have been able to instill that it has to be beautiful, it has to be quality, it has to be function. The three of them have to be combined. And whenever we come up, we just came up with a new accessories. And it was a challenge for them because in a way it was uh, the, one of the first projects that they do in, on their own. Uh, with Andy's guide and behind the scene, but we pretty much let them run with it. And it was amazing because it turned out perfect. By the time they brought it over to me to see it, it was already done. I No changes. I was like, man, they are getting great at it. <laughs> right, right. That's it. So you have accessories for, and I'm looking at some of these on your website, like, you know, Pat Eller's bullet head tools. Oh my gosh, yeah, that's a team effort. We just introduced a couple of things that we introduced this year. Uh, we came up last year in the fall with a toolbar um, that you put on your vice. And now, personally, Andy and I, uh, or I, don't like anything on our vice besides the vice itself. We don't like lights. We don't like any tool holder simplicity. Yeah. So, but people have been asking, you should have this, you should have, okay, let's come up with something a little bit different. So we did. And then uh, one of our staff members said, you know, since you don't like this, what about doing a station for the tool, but kind of a tool carry, but for toolbars. So we came up with a, uh, they came up with a, what is called a toolbar station, which is a little stand that holds different toolbars. That way you can put your tools on those bars, but it also allows you to use the enhancement plate that we offer or any enhancement plate. That way you can put that behind the device, uh, behind the jaw. So it kinds of, it helps you focus on the hook while you're tying. It just removes the clutter. Um, so that was, I think that we introduced that in April this year. 
And then just recently, we attended the ICAST show oh, yeah. in Orlando. was very well attended by Fly Fisherman, too. So we... Uh, what we introduced there, there were a couple of things, is the, the new Color Master, which is in a green, I don't think it's on the website, it's on our e-commerce site, mm. but not on the Renzetti site. I think they're putting that today. So it's the Green Master. Um, we also, the, the product that they design uh, is what we refer to as a hinge stem. So what that is, is if you look at the master of the presentation, the connection between the device itself and the stem is rigid. You can, so what they designed was a hinge, a beautiful uh, hinge that allows you to hinge the head of device. You can angle it a little bit more similar to the presentation 2000. Um, but it's designed for a master or a presentation 4,000 or 3,000. So that is new. And then device, the green master with the hinge stem also comes with the extended crank arm that allows you to rotate device like a crank. It has a handle that is more convenient. So that, won a prize at the um, ICAS as uh, one of the best on the category, so that we were very excited about that. Oh, wow. And then every so often we come up with a new color for the Traveler series. People love it. Um, so there is few other things that are on the works that the guys are, you know, yeah. probably in, in the fall or in, or in April. That's great. Um, that will be introduced, but we're just trying to come up with new product that will make the whole experience more enjoyable. Right. It seems like that might be a challenge. The fact that you created this thing back in the day, you know, 50 years ago, which seems like it was almost the perfect product, right? You probably don't have to tweak it that much because it was such a good product right from the beginning. From the beginning. And, you know, Andy always said, because he said, I just wish that I had figure out to make it that they wouldn't last that long. It's a mm, joke. Right, right. But it's right. true because we get vices from the 70s and 80s that they might need a little bit of cleanup or yeah. they might be, you know, and we're still able to upgrade them pretty much. Um, so when even when we design a new product, they we keep in mind those people that are spending money back in the days, you know. So you don't need to purchase a new vice if if you're old ring or if you're if you lost a screw or whatever. When we design something, we try to make it um versatile with those previous series. So it's I think that, that that's a uniqueness of a manufacturer, you know, instead of making somebody purchase a new a new product. So yeah, it's interesting. And just looking at the vice, I mean, this is something that, you know, I think a lot of vices that look like yours have kind of used something similar, but you've got the the vice itself, but then you have the the bar that kind of goes out, you know, for your thread, right? That goes out and then... The bobbin. Yeah, the bobbin. And that's mainly for... What are the main features on that? Is that just for the rotary piece? No, actually, the bobbin credo has a unique purpose, and that is when you are wrapping the thread around the hook... You position that bend arm of of the bobbin cradle uh, where the black piece is right by the hook 
uh, at the same level as the hook. So when you are wrapping the thread, you want to create some tension. That way you don't lose that wrap. So that's where you position your bobbin to create that tension. A lot of people say, oh, I don't use it. And that's fine. But the yeah. purpose why we include it with device is because it does have a purpose and you can create that tension instead. You can leave it hanging. There is no doubt about it. But you create that tension at the same level as your hook to hold that bobbing. That way your thread is, is secure. So, and we offer that, I think that with every vice, with the exception of the apprentice and the two flybys, because it's a, the two flybys are a whole different concept, you know, of time, but it comes with every single vice. It's part of the vice. Part of the vice. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And that's the reason also that fits perfectly with the angle of the vice, which you, you know, you can change the angle, but for the most part, it's at like a 45 versus, you know, why not just have the straight, you know, the jaws pointing straight out, right? Vertical, uh, you know, but that's the idea is that it fits perfectly with that. So you can rotate it. You can rotate it, you know, and, and we do offer a straight shaft vice and but that's after Bob Klaus or, you know, the ideal for longer streamer because it's a straight shaft. Um, if you look at the Clouser series, that is... Um, oh, okay, so yeah, I see it. So you can do it with the straight. Yes, you can. It's just that that vice is amazing to tie uh, longer streamers um, because it's a straight, the, the fly itself, the body of the fly sits straight on the top of the vice. You don't have that V angle like you do on the other vices. You can accomplish the same. You can tie longer streamers on the traditional uh, bent shaft design. Um, but we think that the clouser is more conducive to that. So, you know, they are flights. I was talking to a, a customer at the ICAS. He said, my flights are, so, is, are longer than your vice. And so what he uses is he uses a spring at the very end of the vise to hold the material because he said the body is like there are two hooks and they're really long. Like, my gosh, they're monster. Yeah, right. <laughs> but that's the type of fishing that they are doing today. That You know, back in the days, they you'd never experimented with that. You know, nowadays they do. It's part of the growth of that the fly tying. I mean... When I look at the fly fishing industry, I think fly tying is the one that have developed the most in the sense materials. I mean, uh, there is so many different, I'm sure that I can, you know, people can say the same about rods, um, yeah. but that's, I don't have that expertise. So I can only talk to you about fly tying. No, but I hear you. I, I know what you're saying with the materials. I think you're right because yeah, materials used to be kind of all natural and now you hear about there's so many synthetics coming in and even more new ones. People say they don't even actually stock up on materials anymore because there's so many new materials coming in all the time to fly tying, right? Well, I have to tell you, we got the distributorship for the product line called Just Add H2O, which is a, hmm. a fantastic synthetic product line made in South Africa um, and uh, like it's, it has been around for many, many years. We just happened to secure that distributorship in the USA and they made this Tiferrar blend. They, they manufacture the brushes that Blaine Chocolate uses. But that product line, talking about diversity, um, there is like 
40 categories and each category have like 80 no- colors. Oh, wow. So that's an inventory nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Trying to, you know, so, it, but it's, I mean, the colors are beautiful. The How they develop a product line that uh, can move so naturally, but doesn't retain uh, the water. So it moves more freely once it's in the in the water. I mean, it's just remarkable. That's a whole different uh, yeah. technology and level of uh, develop. I don't know. It's just, yeah, it, is. it blows whenever we have to do a purchase order. It's like, how many shades of white do we have to have? You know? <laughs> right. But you have to have the product because every flight tire is unique in a way. They want, you know, certain. So, but that's an industry that is growing tremendously. Huge. A quick break for a word from our sponsor, Smitty's Flybox, delivering monthly flies, fly materials, and accessories each month with their Smitty subscription Flybox. If you need a unique fly selection for a new water you're fishing, or if you want to get started fly tying the easy way, Smitty's has you covered. They will find out where you're fishing and supply you with a custom fly assortment. And Smitty's has been producing high-quality flies and materials for over 30 years, and you may not realize it, but Smitty's is connected to Round Rocks, who is the sole supporter to Sportsman's Warehouse and has tied and supplied millions of flies over the years. I was at Sportsman's this week and picked up a couple of dozen flies, some chubby, small, and large dry flies, some terrestrial patterns. The quality was exceptional. That's one of my struggles is the dry flies. So I love looking at these little guys from small little tiny flies that I can barely see with my eyesight's the big ones. And these are the same people who are delivering and tying these flies to your door with Smitty's Fly Box. It's a great time right now to get stocked up for the season. You can head over to smittysflybox.com right now to take a look at their selection of flies and monthly boxes right now. Let Smitty's take the guesswork out of choosing fly materials and patterns right now. This is also an easy way to support this podcast and a small business who has been producing high-quality flies for many years. Check them out right now. That's Smitty's, S-M-I-T-T-Y-S, smittysflybox.com. Okay, back to the show. When somebody comes in and they're, let's just say, you know, I'm not sure how many of your new customers are, you know, brand new to fly tying or maybe experienced, but what do you, when somebody asks the question, like, how do they choose a vice? If they're looking at all your series, you know, the master's presentation, you've talked about them today. Is there one, I mean, the traveler I think has come up a lot because a lot of people love that vice, but what is the, is there a first vice or how does somebody choose a vice if they don't know Renzetti very well? You know, I always ask, and we get those questions a lot, a lot. What's, you know, I'm trying to decide. So I always ask, what do you do the most fishing for? What will you be tying for? Right. And let's just say, uh, for this example, let's just say steelhead. Okay. So I always ask, where are you, you know, what are you going to be, your, your hook range or what type of fishing you will do? And then the other one will be the budget. And I always say, start with the traveler. Especially if you're new, because you don't know, number one, how, if you're really going to enjoy this or like this sport. And then after you use it for a while, if you feel like you need something more substantial or something, I wouldn't say better because the traveler, when you're looking, if the device cannot hold a hook, if the jaws cannot hold a hook, I don't care what device you buy. Yeah. It's worthless. So when you are looking at the whole product line, 
the hook range is wide open. Is a diver, you know. So when you're looking at the traveler, it goes from a number twenty-eight to a four out. That's a huge yeah, hook is. range. So it does the same as the presentation. It holds the hook as good as the master, the presentations, or the saltwater traveler. But it, the other series offer you little features that the traveler does not. Mm, right. But if you're looking at the basic true rotary vice that will hold a hook from 28 to 4 all, the traveler by far will be my only recommendation. Now, if you want brass, you want the looks, you want the ball bearings, you want the crank feature, you want the speed crank, you want these other bells and whistles that the other vices offer, then go with that. But if you're studying, start with the traveler, get to know the, the sport, get to know how the vice is used because for somebody new, take a class and use that true rotary feature because it's going to change your whole experience. Where it becomes a little bit um, more difficult is when somebody has been tying, not through rotary, but tying their experience, and they want to go into a true rotary vice. It takes a little bit of training and changing the way you, your brain works when it comes to that, because it, they're no use to the 360 rotation. So it, it's a matter of getting used to that technique. But I always, honestly, I always start people with the traveler. To me, it holds the hook securely. It offers you the true rotary features. You can grow with the sport because from a traveler, you can add a speeding attachment. You can add a clouser arm. You can add a game changer jaw, a parachute attachment. There is so many accessories that we design for the traveler and for the other vices that make this vice so versatile that that allows you to grow with the sport, with that experience. And it, it's going to last you a lifetime. So it's an investment that you make today. You know, people made that investment in 1988 and they still have it today. So it's an investment that, it, that you know, is, and even if you resell it later on, you get, you, that retains the pricing. So yeah, you're never going to lose any money on the vice. Yeah. Yeah. The Traveler is by far the device that we always try to get people to go to. And then and then you see their name through the years when you're registering the, the warranty car. You see their name again on the database for another Traveler or for another vice. Oh, right. Yeah, it's, it's, I love it. So they do buy more. So even though they don't lose, their, they still have their other vice. Their next vice is going to be another Renzetti travel. Yeah, they do. I mean, it's, uh, we are compiling, you know, we didn't have warranty cars back in the days when Andy started, but we are finalizing that database. We start serializing our vices. Um, so when we did that, I think it was 2000 or 2001, we started a database, but from uh, the warranty cars that came into the 80, late 80s and early 90s, they were never put on that database. So now we are putting that on the database. And they say, what are you going to do with that? I say, I don't care. I just think it's important to have it, even though we do have a limited lifetime warranty. I just think that it's important to keep that information. So you see the same name. Many times 
it is, it is a, how many vices can somebody have? Right. <laughs> they love it. Well, and that's probably, and I was thinking about, you know, learning how to use a rotary vice for somebody who's new. You could definitely take a flight tying class. Probably my, I'm guessing you could maybe look at your ambassadors list and maybe check in with some of those people who have YouTube channels or videos to find out how to use it. Would that be a recommendation to learn how to use a rotary? Yes. The, the Renzetti has a YouTube channel that explains that concept very oh, okay. well. It's a video in there. But our ambassadors, and then there are some fly shops that are doing a terrific job educating the angler, you know, through YouTube channel, their own website. So the information is out there. And regardless if it is a Renzetti or another manufacturer that offers that true rotary feature, the concept is the same. You just have to apply it to your vice. But Renzetti, on the Renzetti YouTube channel, there is a, a good explanation of the true rotary concept and, uh, you know, the feature of devices. And and there is more that is ready to come out pretty soon, too, on that. Uh, that is on the work. Oh, gotcha. So we can subscribe to your channel. There'll be some new videos coming out this year. Yes. It has been a working process for yeah. a long time. I hear you. Yeah. YouTube is not easy. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. So you, and besides, we get consumed with the daily operation of, you know, the, it's, I say, my goodness, how, you know, it's sometimes it becomes a challenge trying to get, um, all the things that we want to get done and try to get them done in a timely basis. But it is life. Yeah, it is. Do you look at this just looking ahead? You know, I'm not sure how old you are, but, you know, do you and Andy look at this thinking like, well, okay, when, how long are we looking at, you know, retirement, selling this thing? Do you even think about that right now or do you just kind of love it so much you don't even think about it? You know, I love it every day. Andy semi-retired. Oh, he is. Oh, nice. Well, he comes to the office every day, see where he can help. He trains. Um, this country has a, a shortage of technical people, machinists. So he have invested a lot of time training our staff, the machinists. Um, so he comes every day, you know, we put them through school, but we also train them. So is he training them? Have they gone to like machinist school or is he training them from like ground up? Yes. Yeah. So they go through a four year, uh, schooling that, uh, we sponsor locally. And then he, we, special, our manufacturing specialize on what they call, uh, Swiss turning, which is a very tight tolerance uh, manufacturing because the devices, all the pieces that we make, they're very small. They are very tight tolerant. So the equipment that we use is very, is the equipment that they make citizen watches, very precise. It's called Swiss turning. So Andy have specialized in that for many years. And nowadays he trained our staff either on the, on that part of the equipment or on the manual equipment, depending of what operations uh, we are doing. So he does come every day, three, four hours sometimes, sometimes less, depending on what is needed. So we have our meetings. You spend time with the guys in the shop. And uh, so when when we talk about retirement, yeah, you know, uh, uh, there are times that I say, my gosh, I would love to be able to, you know, not have this responsibility every day. But it's hard to sell your name. Yeah. You know, it's, this has been our livelihood 
you know, it's more than our livelihood. That's right. It's your name. That's the thing about it, right? It's your name. It's your name. And then to make sure that equality, it have crossed our mind many times. Um, we just, I don't know, we did so far is manageable. We have a great team. Our son works with us in the manufacturing aspect of it. He's a young guy. He's only 29. Uh, he's young. So, you know, to put a responsibility like that is huge. And I don't want, I want him to do what he loves. Um, so, you know, it, it has crossed our mind, um, but so far we're here. <laughs> yeah, you're still, <laughs> you're still going strong. Yeah. And we have a great, you know, staff that knows our philosophy and has yeah. our vision. And love that. So it's manageable. So I don't know what, what tomorrow will bring. We hope that we're blessed with, continue to be blessed with good health yep. uh, and good personnel and, um, you know, continue to do what we love. Exactly. I think that's the take-home message. That, you know what I mean? I think that for you and for anybody, you know, why get out of it if you love it? You know, it's one of those things I where, not, and I go back to Ben, you know, Benjamin Franklin again, because I just, I'm on that. But I mean, you know, he was like 87. I can't remember, you know, he died somewhere in there, but he was doing, I mean, the, you know, he was in with Washington and everybody till the very end, like right on his deathbed, you know, even he was sitting there still working. I'm glad that you, you mentioned him because when Andy was going to trade school uh, in Pennsylvania, he went to um, Stephen Thaddeus uh, Technical School in Lancaster. That's where he went for a machinist. And he always said he was inspired by a phrase um, by Benjamin Franklin. It was, this, it was written um, right above his teach professor's desk on his office. He had a, a thing that says, there is an, a better way to find it. Mm. And Andy, he always said, you know, that is as a young man, that's really what is stuck with me. Find it. So yeah, he was uh, Andy was a, a young man with a learning disability um, that had struggled through high school. Mm. What was that like? A like dyslexia or something like that? Dyslexia. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he um, spent most of his time in. Back then, they used to be uh, like wood shop or mechanic, you know, they were used to be those trade within the high school. And that's where he spent most of his time um, because he felt the most productive. And, you know, back then you didn't know that it was a learning disability either. No. So his mother was a visionary, put him to through um, a lot of tutoring. And then eventually she put him through this school that was for underprivileged kids because oh, they wow. were very, very, um, very poor, to put it bluntly. And um, that changed his life. That school changed his life. And he, he tells you today that school gave me a purpose, gave me the confidence give me the desire. Failure was not an option. Wow. That's why he said, I never look at what anybody did. I grew this company organically. I did what I love. I concentrated on just doing this. I didn't care if it took me 10 hours or if it took me 15 hours. You know, failure was not an option. Love that. And that's what kept him going. That's a good story. Oh my gosh. I'm so proud of 
that's why I have so much passion for this company because I have seen and heard his struggles through the years. And for somebody with a learning disability and with no money to be able to believe in himself so much and create something so beautiful that have stand 50 years plus is just remarkable. It's truly a, a, a to me, it's an inspiring story, honestly. Truly is. It is. It is a great story because it's a it's a story that I think anybody listening, you know, or you know, thinking about your kids, I mean, stuff's going to happen, right? Everybody has challenges, and and the story that you're telling here is like somebody that just wanted it so badly that he just kept going, you know. And I think that that's that's the you got kind of the American story, right? That there's opportunity for all of us as long as you put the hard work in. Exactly, and that's um, I, he definitely have invested, you know, put the time into and and I always get inspired like failure was not an option I like that is so powerful you know to me that is extremely powerful so I love that failure is no option one of my quotes and I guess I, I it's a it's the same idea but I, I think I say it like um or I guess whoever said it but I say the you know, those that fail most win, you know what I mean? Like yes. the fact that, you know, there are going to be struggles and you're not going to like be perfect every time, but you just stay with it. It sounds like maybe that's what he did. Stay with it and consistent and, and, and committed to, you know, commitment. That's one thing that to me, looking at, looking at ambassadors, I look at commitment. What is your commitment to this industry? Right. There's a good one for you, Lily. So if somebody's listening now and they really want to be a Renzetti ambassador, even knowing that there's a limited amount that, you know, but what would you tell that person that maybe they really in the long term want to be, what would be the thing, the things you're looking for in that person? It's commitment is a big one. Commitment, your involvement, what charity work do you do? What is your philosophy about, you know, sharing your knowledge and passing that on to the next generation? Because if you look at the lefties and Bobby Papavics and all these people, they share their knowledge. They continue to grow this industry. And regardless if we're here tomorrow, as a, you know, if we are still with Renzetti or whatever happened with us, the industry has to continue. And I think that if we are willing to share our passion, our love, and show this, the newcomer that this is more than a post on your social media, fly fishing or, or this industry, we as people that are in the industry have a responsibility. I honestly believe have a responsibility to share the knowledge and continue to grow the industry. And it doesn't mean that you have to tie on a Renzetti vice. I don't care what vice you tie on. I think that we have to be able to promote the industry as an industry. The buying decision of what equipment that person is going to get is secondary. They're smart enough. They will do your homework. But what do I want to tell an ambassador? Be genuine about it. Be willing to invest your time and effort in the industry and share your knowledge. And also, you know, get involved with nonprofit. That's a huge thing for us. Andy and I are very, everybody here is very philanthropic. We volunteer our talent. We give money because I do believe that it's so, it's part of who we are. We're not just 
sharing a product, we're sharing our knowledge, we're giving our expertise, we're giving our treasures, time. The amount of time that we devote in our community just in volunteering work is so rewarding. And, you know, that's one thing that I ask every ambassador, every prospective ambassador, where do you give back? And today there are so many venues that you can do that. There are so many nonprofits that can utilize the knowledge and the skill that a fly tire or an angler has. So that's where I go back that we check on the character of the individual. That's part of the character of the individual. Yeah. And as we get out here, maybe do you want to shed light on one nonprofit that, you know, you want to um, highlight here as we head out of here? Uh, I have my love with Casting for Recovery because I brought that organization to Florida. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, you know, they go by chapter. So I, I was instrumental in bringing it to Florida. But the organization that we have been, uh, besides the local ones, like the Rotary Club or the Pilot Club that we do in town, um, the one that we have been putting a lot of time and effort is um, Tunnels to Tower. That is Andy's uh, favorite organization. Oh, which one is that again? Tunnels to Tower. Oh, Tunnels to Tower. Yeah. That's the organization that provides uh, homes and mortgage-free for uh, veterans and first responders. Oh, wow. And uh, 94% of their revenue or their donation goes straight to the cost. And that's one that, um, that, that's the one that we raised money for last year. We were able to give $10,000 this year. I think it's going to be about the same. We give, uh, a, a, uh, for every vice we sell, we give money to them. Wow. So uh, that's what Andy wanted to do for the 50 year anniversary. And this year he said, I want to continue on with that. He just, I did a lot of research into that organization, and and um, that's one of the ones that we donate the most. Love that. Casting for Recovery would always be special to me because I put a lot of time into bringing it to Florida. I wish that it was in a different place today because we're not being too active, but that program changes life. It's beautiful. Yeah. It is. It is. No, this is great. I think this is the perfect ending because Tunnels to Towers Foundation is not one that I had heard about. Uh, and so we'll put a link in the show notes to that and get some people connected. That looks like an amazing group. And uh, and awesome, Lily. Well, thanks for all your time today. We'll send everybody out to Renzetti.com if they have questions for you. And uh, yeah, just I appreciate all the time and, and sharing the light on the history of Renzetti and hope to uh, keep in touch with you moving forward. Thanks for the opportunity to talk to you today. There it is. You can head over to wetflyswing.com slash 486. You can do that right now, 486. Check out the uh, the Traveler if you're not familiar with some of the new vices, some of the models and uh, different colorations they have going. Check it out right now, and, uh, and all the show notes are there. Check in with us on Instagram at wetflyswing right now. Chris is over there helping out and doing some great stuff. If you want to connect with us, with me, and, uh, and find out uh, what we have going, check it out right now. Listener shout out. Let's do it before we get out of here. Dylan Lipinski. Dylan Lipinski. I've got a super quick one from Dylan. Dylan checked in and said, uh, just started the podcast today. Great stuff. There we go. 
Dylan checked in with us and let us know he's checking out the podcast. Is the great thing about the podcast is there's plenty of new people out there right now who have no idea um, about this podcast. And also there's people out there that have no idea about podcasting in general. So if you know somebody that might love, love to find out, get some tips on fly fishing, we would love you had a chance to share it with them. Uh, send them a leak anytime uh, and uh, share out the love. That's about it for now. Uh, we're looking ahead into the future. Um, what do we have going here? I, th- I guess one random thing I've been thinking about, uh, we just got done doing a uh, doing a run, a little 5K with the kids, and uh, and I wasn't quite in shape enough. Um, but it was pretty cool because my daughter basically uh, was just knocking it out of the park and I couldn't even keep up with her. Uh, always a cool thing. So I'm going to be doing some training. But it also got me to think about uh, the future and maybe getting into some of this trail run, uh, some of this more of the trail running thing. And I know there, we've had at least one episode here in the past where we talked about the trail run, fly fishing events um, that I think there's a couple of them going on. So I'm going to check in on that. If you're interested in trail running or just running in general, uh, let me know. I would love to hear if there's interest. If we were to put together one of these events, potentially, um, would that be something of interest uh, somewhere around the country? I want to get in shape, so uh, I will. Uh, I would love to hear from you on that. All right, uh, before we get out of here, I'm going to take a quick peek, just one quick peek where we're heading, where we are heading next. Where are we heading next? Just looking out at the next week. And it looks like uh, we have uh, next week, we've got the Littoral Zone. We've got uh, some big episodes. Littoral Zone is always good with Phil. And, and we got a special episode on Wednesday um, a very special, famous writer uh, coming in. So stay tuned for that. And uh, I'm going to leave it there right now. And I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to let you get to your thing, whether that's exercising, walking the dog, cooking dinner, uh, cooking breakfast, whatever you're doing right now, I'm going to let you get back to it. And, uh, and I'm looking forward to catching up with you soon. Please check in with me anytime. And I hope you are having a great afternoon, great evening, or great morning, wherever in the world you are. And I appreciate you. I appreciate you for stopping in today and checking out the show. Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com.